So welcome to the Praxis Behind the Obscure podcast. And today I have a very special guest. Um, I've actually taken a lot of his courses um, on the New Hermetics website. He has a bunch of courses on a website called coursecraft.com as well. And uh, there'll be links in the show notes and read several of his books. He also has a very, very good podcast out there called uh, Inside the Magic Circle, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about here too. And so uh, I have Jason Augustus Newcomb on. Can you introduce yourself and sort of how you first got into the occult and, um, you know, in general? Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been doing a lot more uh, interviewing than being interviewed lately. So it's nice mm -hmm. to sit in the other seat where I get to blah, blah, blah about myself for a little while. <laughs> uh, although some people feel like I blah, blah, blah about myself too much on my podcast, but I try not to. <laughs> so um, I, I've been interested in the occult for um, almost 40 years now, honestly. Mm. I got my first set of tarot cards when I was 11 and basically from then on I was at least passively interested for my whole life. I, uh, when I, when I first got those tarot cards, I actually went to a very um, liberal church and I've told this story a few times, but I'm going to assume mm -hmm. that your listeners haven't uh, heard it before. Mm -hmm. So I went to a very liberal church uh, called Unitarian Universalism was the, the denomination of the church. And so we, I would go every Sunday to Sunday school and, and we would explore all kinds of different things, philosophical ideas. And, um, but one, one week it was, it was divination systems. And so the teacher brought in this little book on different divination systems like I Ching and tarot and astrology and stuff like that. And when mm -hmm. I saw the, uh, the tarot images, there was something that really just resonated with me in that super powerful way that it's like I've got to explore that you know I've got to I've got to find out more so I knew that there was a local um, new age store in my town and so I went down there and I, and I looked at the tarot cards and they were $20 I think which is I think they've stayed that price basically forever <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I didn't have $20 so I saved up and eventually I bought I bought a set and um, mm -hmm. I actually began my tarot career by being a, a professional tarot reader or, or sort of I volunteered for some reason for my for the same churches uh, um, like sort of auction that they did of various things and services and stuff. And so I auctioned off me giving someone a tarot reading, even though I had literally never done so before other than a little bit for myself. Um, so 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 I, I did it uh, and, and I had the little booklet with me and I basically read her the. The, the things that the book said about the tarot cards that came up for it. And she thought it was pretty adorable. So I think she got her money's worth. Um, How old so, were you then? How old were you at this age? Probably 12, I would oh, say. Wow. Okay. I'm so, curious, Um, what deck was it too? Like which of the it was the It was the Rider Waite deck. Uh, oh, okay. that was, you know, I mean, they, there, there were a lot of tarot decks at that point, but I would mm -hmm. say the vast majority of them were either the Rider Waite or derived from the Rider Waite or, you know, the Thoth tarot. Um, and there was the Aquarian tarot and a few others, but I mean, nowadays there's, there's, you know, a tarot for almost <laughs> any interest or subject <laughs> there. There's a tarot that's been created for it. But oh, yeah. so that, that deck resonated with me a lot. I, I then, you know, later in, in my life, as I was exploring more um, Thelema and, 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 you know, Alistair Crowley's work, I did start using uh, his Thoth tarot for a while. Mm -hmm. But as I actually started doing more and more professional readings for people, I noticed that there were a few things about the Thoth Tarot that weren't ideal for that, which are, first of all, the imagery is sometimes <laughs> um, a, a intense. I mean, there, there is a, a little bit of sexual stuff in it, but it's mostly just mm -hmm. that there's, there's a lot of 
very sort of dramatic things in it. And so certain cards, when I turn them over, even if they weren't a particularly negative card, I'd see people's faces drop or they'd literally exclaim, oh my goodness, is that, that, that doesn't look good. Or something. And I'd be like, no, no, that means you're about to make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> but, then, but then also the tarot cards um, have uh, words at the bottom of them that are related to the Golden Dawn's um, system of, of, of um, organizing the cards although mm-hmm. Crowley changes those words in, in many places, words like strife and, and mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. And it, that didn't, that what people would get distracted by that word and it wouldn't matter what I said because the card clearly says strife on it. So they, right. you know, even if my interpretation of the card in the context of the reading was quite different than the word strife, they would continuously move back to asking about strife and problems in their life. And I go, well, no, no, in this context, it means the different. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I felt like the, um, the writer weight was more uh, resonant with mo- more people, more people are very aware of it. And they know that you're giving them a, you know, a tarot reading rather than something else <laughs> when you have those cards. And so I, I sort of switched back to those cards for doing professional readings. But mm-hmm. um, back to my narrative, it, uh, about a year after I started playing around with the tarot, a friend of mine um, mentioned that, that, his, that a friend of his uh, had purchased a book on witchcraft, on real witchcraft that you could really do magic spells from. And I was like, what? You know, and, 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 you know, there was no real internet at that point. So that's how you learned information was someone, someone <laughs> saying something to you that you hadn't heard before. So I, I went, went back to the same um, uh, bookstore and started collecting books. And I collected uh, Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft. Um, I collected uh, Magic and Theory and Practice. I uh, collected a book called Crystal Power, I think is what it was called. You know, I, 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 a wide variety of things. And those, and those um, have influenced me uh, subconsciously probably quite a lot through the years since I was, I was pretty young when I read them. Mm-hmm. Um, that same friend and I did some, some magic rituals together, pretty much all of which worked mm-hmm. in one way or another. So it, it, it definitely made me feel like this was a, a, a region worth exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly thereafter, I got my whole youth group on a sleepover to do an evocation of some <laughs> demon or other, um, and oh, that wow. didn't work, but we did set off the fire alarm in the church and the, um, the, the, the fire department showed up, uh, thus disturbing our ritual. And I can't imagine how embarrassed the person, you know, the, <laughs> the youth group supervisor <laughs> was that there was this circle laid down with candles and incense burning and, that was why the fire department showed up. Um, mm. I I feel bad for that. I don't remember who it was. But I feel bad for whoever. It was. <laughs> That's you know, how, how do you explain that to you know a fireman? Um, wow. So, you know, I I continued reading books and exploring things. Got very interested in out of body experiences. Very interested in you know meditation and altered states. Um, uh, eventually I joined the OTO and I, um, e- later than that, I joined the AA. I also got um, a hypnotherapy certification and a um, certification in, in neuro-linguistic programming. And all of that um, stuff kind of congealed together into the, the creations that, I, that I've made at this point, which are, you know, I've written quite a few books. Um, mm-hmm. My first book is on the Holy Guardian Angel, which was a very important part of um, the Golden Dawn and thelemic system um, that I spent a, a lot of uh, energy, uh, you know, working on achieving that. And um, 
that that book on that subject, I think, is very underrated because of the publisher didn't really market it quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that eventually it will come out with its original title, which was The Knowledge and Conversation of Your Holy Guardian Angel. But mm-hmm. I was just talking with my wife about this. It's one of those things where they own the they own the copyright at this point, and um, you know I'd have to do a lot of things to it to to, to get it ready to republish. And they, mm-hmm. they have it still in print. So I'm just, I'm just leaving it for now. Someday maybe it will change. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my personal feelings on all, a lot of these things have shifted. I wouldn't say that I disagree with anything that I wrote in the past, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think that some things have evolved into even more nuanced ways of, of approaching things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, along the way, I also started creating um, audio programs. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. I, I started out as a hypnotist creating them. And then I realized I could do a lot of magical things through these. So um, my second book, The New Hermetics, all of the exercises in that book, there's an audio recording that I've created that goes along with it. So you can literally just sit back and you, you've experienced some of those, Ryan, right? Oh, yeah. I've taken, um, well, I've taken a bunch of your courses, which actually include a lot of the audio um, uh, tracks in them. Right. And as well as downloaded or well, bought, I, d- I didn't uh, pirate them. <laughs> Actually, as you know, you, you know that I bought a lot of your recordings because I'm sure it shows up in your, uh, in, your in your PayPal. Right? Yeah. So, uh, no, no, your recordings are amazing. And um, I, I guess since I play music, I am pretty audio oriented, I guess you would mm-hmm. say. But uh, yeah, definitely what I like about, um, I guess we can talk about this a little bit later. But um, when I first started getting into Western esotericism, uh, looking up like the Kabbalah and path working, it was sort of weird because there's like, it's like, uh, I remember reading, there's a book called like self-initiation into the golden dawn and, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple other books. And it's like, Oh, you memorize this long script. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how you were supposed to do it, but it's like, you memorize a script and sort of just pretend that everything in the script happens. And it didn't really feel organic. It didn't really feel like something that, would put me into some into the state of that particular path, right? And uh, where your recordings are c- completely the opposite, where literally, like you go through this uh, Kabbalistic invocation, right, in the beginning mm-hmm. of it, and uh, that alone already sort of puts you in an altered state, right? And then it's sort of like, hopefully, I mean, at least for me, it works. For me. You know, I can't say it works. No, for I mean, me. I mean, it, it generally <laughs> works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. intention. <laughs> yeah, that's. And I'm sure that's what you're aiming at, right? But uh, but then like uh, you sort of guide the um, it's sort of you guide the path working or the meditation into um, leading the uh, the user the uh, the person into these states that sort of you can organically have these experiences yourself or these visionary experiences yourself rather than um, it feels more organic if that makes sense rather than forced and like logical and you have to memorize this. It's more of an experience. Sure. More of a, well, I, I, the thing about the thing about path workings is it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. And I'm not going to get into the whole history of it here, but um, the majority of them. Yeah, they're basically um, at best, even if you record those scripts that, that you're talking about, a, a sort of a, a, a tour of, of, a, of an idea of a space um, rather than anything else. You know, you are you're instructed to visualize Horace in front of you and Horace says, welcome to the mysteries or, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a very sort of artificial construct, even if you, even if you're receiving it passively. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas what I, what I, what I thought was that each of these paths is really a, a learning experience that's supposed to, to transform us in some way to bring us to a new place. Um, it, it, it's, it's intended to be a path that we work 
to get to a new space and a new understanding of ourselves in the universe. And so I asked myself the question, what is the, what is the, what is the challenge that needs to take place at each of these paths in order for them to be quote unquote worked? And mm -hmm. so my, my recording is, is geared towards guiding you through an experience or toward an experience um, that, uh, that is related to personal growth um, or spiritual growth towards that next level of, of, the, of the thing. And honestly, you could, you could get benefit from listening to them, even if you're not really interested in the Kabbalah, because it's mm. <laughs> like, I really, I, in creating it, I, I was modeling much more than just simply um, the, the Kabbalistic system of the, um, the, the Golden Dawn. I, I was mm -hmm. incorporating elements of, of um, yogic philosophy and Tantra and, and elements of Buddhism and Taoism and all, and all these sorts of things there there it's very underneath the surface and you wouldn't really notice that it's there but it but the intention of the, of those recordings is to guide you towards you know ultimate identification with your divine self and and so each of those little 22 steps is a single step in that direction you know the first one is um moving past fear for instance you know you mm -hmm. you um you're, you're asked to and in fact all of the lower ones are sort of some some version of that um, you're asked to sort of explore something that you feel uncomfortable with in moving forward in your spiritual path. And mm -hmm. I mean, you obviously don't have to do that. You can just sit there and listen to the recording. <laughs> but but if you're if you're following the instructions of the recording, you're on some level or another, you're going to make a, a transformation of yourself. And if you you know, if you work with them a lot, you're going to make a lot of transformations. And um, in many ways um, that, you know, that's that 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 set is not my most recent recording, but it's one of one of my more recent sets of recordings. And, um, you know, I, I really think I was coming to it with a much more mature understanding of things mm -hmm. than, um, than, than, than some of my previous stuff, but uh, also than a lot of the stuff that's out there. And I, I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I looked at a lot of the pathworking stuff that, you know, there's a number of pathworking recordings out there. The Cicero's have one, mm -hmm. um, the, um, what's her name? Doreen, Ver Doreen Valiente, I think, is that her name? Uh, so it's one, one, one of the Doreen's has one. Um, oh no, it's Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki. Excuse me, Doreen and Dolores. I apologize. Um, mm -hmm. uh, she she has a set, and I think that they've been turned into recordings. Um, and, and there might be a couple of others out there as well. But th like I said, they're they're all basically just you know, look at the yellow orb, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, see Horus coming out of it. And Horus is going to speak to you, and Horus says you know, these are the mysteries, you know, like this right. is, there's, there's no, there's no you involved in the process. Whereas I wanted to turn that around and, and, and involve the, the consciousness of the, of the listener into it. Um, and that's really sure. true of most of my recordings, even my hypnosis recordings have that component in them. Um, they're not, sure. you know, a lot of hypnosis recordings are just sort of, you're going to lose weight. Everything in your life is going to improve. You know, you're, <laughs> I, I, I am a weight loss wonder, you know, like it's just a bunch of affirmations and so forth. Um, right. and, and my recordings all sort of have a process to them that you're sort right. of engaged in it along the way. Um, mm -hmm. now, uh, so I, I wrote the new hermetics and that book, you know, sort of, I started teaching it um, a little bit here and there at different places um, and that was going okay. Um, and so I started a Yahoo forum and the Yahoo forum sat there for about six months. And in that time period, 
the only questions I ever got were things about things that were in the first level of the new hermetics. And it was super clear to me that no one was <laughs> moving past that first level at all. Um, and, and sort of, and my idea for, you know, my idea about magic is that um, we all really have, you know, an adept self and a master self inside us already. And it's really about uncovering that. And so the long sort of delayed periods of you have to spend a year in probation and so forth. Well, I understand <laughs> that. And right. as far as, um, you know, proving commitment, I believe that Pythagoras made people spend like five years silently before he would speak with them or something like that. I, I right. get it, you know, that you're, that you're, you're putting people through a, 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 a test of commitment, but ultimately we have so much information available to us now. It's not like, you know, if, if you then, if you then explain to them that a squared plus B squared equals C squared, they're going to be pretty disappointed because they've already seen that, you know, and that's, and that happens a lot. Even Alistair Crowley complained about that in the golden dawn. He said he was initiated into the, um, into the, the neophyte grade and was, right. you know, was, was given the sacred obligation to keep secret the Hebrew alphabet and it's me and it's, <laughs> meetings, you know, like, right. so I, you know, we so often, you know, get disappointed in those things. And, and there's no reason to not sort of work past our level, as long as we understand that we are, we are not, you know, perfectly at that, at that higher level. So, I mean, I, I wanted people to be utilizing, I wanted them to go through the, the, the tools sort of in a fairly rapid way, and then come back around to work mm. through them again with greater knowledge, you know, because so, exactly. there's, there's really, there's no reason not to. Um, to, to discover things about yourself along the way and then, and then sort of rebalance those things that need to be rebalanced, um, mm -hmm. especially since so much of Western occultism um, in the lodge system stuff really isn't about, I mean, you know, this, that sorcery has become a really big um, topic these days. Mm -hmm. And by sorcery, I mean, like doing spells on people, you know, <laughs> Get, right. you know doing love spells, doing cursing spells, doing, um, you know, business spells, that's become very big in um, internet culture in the last few years. But before that, it was primarily a, a magic was, you know, that sort of stuff was considered, mm, you know, you can do that if you want, but focus as much as possible on perfecting yourself. And that, and that I mean, really, that was true in both witchcraft and sort of, you know, lodge um, ceremonial mm -hmm. magic circles. The idea that you would, that you would run around casting spells on each other was sort of like well that's not in perfect love and perfect trust if we're going to do that kind of stuff yeah mm -hmm. so but um nowadays uh it seems like people are for, very prone to cast spells on each other and and very interested in that sort of above all else um right. but so um w when that's not <laughs> your when that's not your agenda there's no reason not to proceed forward with the sort of path towards um betterment of yourself as quickly as you can because there's no there's no reason to hold back on it um, sure. do, do you see that like you know like these days people always want like a quick solution to something right it's like sort of uh the smartphone era or this current era everything's like i need my amazon today right now and so like instead of doing the slow work of working on yourself and you know sort of the process of inner alchemy or self-development as you're saying it's kind of easier to just like, I just want to figure out how to curse this person or like, you know, give me money now or something like that. Maybe, maybe there's a psychological tendency towards that. I'm not really sure if it's a sort of the current era thing or, you know. I mean, I think that probably, that probably was true forever. Mm -hmm. We, we, we 
it's easier to kind of get what you want nowadays and people more expect to be able to get things exactly the way they want them at this point. And I mean, frankly, there are, there are, you know, as far as occult courses go, there's probably in the hundreds, you know, so, so, you know, you kind of can find exactly what you're looking for. Is that for the best? Is it, is it best that people can just do what they want rather than growing Mm. towards who they could be or should be or, or, or might be? Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not really for me to, um, to decide for others what they're, what they're going to do with their lives. I do think that there's a lot of wasted effort. Um, there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, plumbing the, the, the manuscript libraries and the, the, (laughs) the microfilms that are out there looking for um, a a secret somewhere within the texts that isn't present in the text because it was, it was never present in the text. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, uh, those are, those are simply scripts for, for making a transformation that, you know, requires some other stuff. And I, and I Mm -hmm. think that people are, people are so afraid of the psychology psychologization of magic mm. that they don't realize that, that, you know, the psyche is the soul. And mm. so psychology is the study of the soul. And mm. there are aspects of that that are occult and there are aspects of that that are, you know, medical and, and, you know, we can, we can dispense with the medical aspects pretty easily without, you know, <laughs> needing to dispense with the rest um mm-hmm. i do think that there is a, that there is a problem with people wanting things too quickly and there's a problem with people um expecting um to just be able to turn a switch and suddenly have all kinds of magic powers uh, mm-hmm. I, do, I think that's a big problem and I, you know it comes from movies and it comes from people who write blogs who aren't being honest about what's going on with themselves mm-hmm. um well, one of the, and and I think it's just it's fantasy. You know, people want mm-hmm. to believe that um, that that there's someone out there that can that can totally fix their lives for them without them having to do anything. And sure, um, you know, there's this there's this construct out there called the hero's journey. It was it was mm-hmm. sort of um, extracted from the writings of uh, Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. And um, within that within that construct in order to, for the hero to succeed in their quest, whatever that is, they have to transform. It's not possible for someone to achieve the result that they want in their life, remaining who they are at the moment. Because if they were, if they were the person who could have that result, they would already have it. So transformation is inherently necessary in any kind of actual change. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it possible that you could utilize occult forces to unnaturally make someone interested in you that you're in love with? Is it possible that you could um, use occult forces to manipulate things so that you have more money coming in than you deserve? Sure. But not, none of that is going to actually bring you to a place where those things give out the maximum amount of joy. Um, sure. Because sure. Uh, in, in the same way that, you know, if you, if you make a painting and it's a beautiful painting and you hang it on your wall and you look at it, that painting is so much more valuable to you than a painting by somebody else because you have, mm-hmm. you've created it. Um, exactly. Now that's, now there is this, um, I think it's becoming less and less of an issue, but it, there, there used to be an issue that people thought, you know, you couldn't, 
you couldn't do any magic that you didn't create any every part of what you what you're using every tool everything that you that is involved in it you have to make yourself that was a a popular idea but i think that has largely faded because there's so many people at this point um selling occult products that <laughs> you know it's just it just it's no longer feasible to to make that argument sure um, sure but yeah. i mean there, there there really were a lot of people who felt like you couldn't you couldn't get a benefit from a key of Solomon made by somebody else, a key of Solomon talisman made by somebody else. You had to make that talisman and charge it yourself if you wanted it to work. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, that's not historically the way that um, things work because most most uh, most of the the talismans that have ever been made in the world have been made by a professional magician for a lay um, customer. You know, that's mm -hmm. the magic is a business first and foremost, uh, sure. going all the way going all the way back to our you know, earliest ancestors and, and, how, and how they interacted with magic, you would, you would go to someone who was a magic person and, and they would do something to help you solve their problem. But most of the time, what they would, the, what they would be doing is they would be, they would be either trying to rebalance something in the, you know, the city or the, um, the tribe or whatever they were, they were involved in. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and their, their work wasn't really to unbalance things, but rather to bring harmony back when harmony had been taken away. You know, if someone was mm -hmm. lusting after somebody else's, um, wife or something like that, or husband, the, the shaman wasn't going to, you know, take that person away <laughs> and stick them with the other person. That's only wasn't right. happening. Now, if it was a different tribe or something like that, maybe that maybe that that sort of thing might happen. But you know, it, it, there was a there was a cohesion to the way that that, that things worked, um, and and most of the magic would have been more focused on things for the whole group rather than things for certain individuals wanting petty things from other individuals. Um, right. So, you know, our, our because magic has always been um, since earliest times uh, a somewhat um forbidden practice it it you know over the years it has become more and more um non non-conformist with the 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 structure of, of society so mm -hmm. um the yeah, very true um yeah and i was gonna say like uh now with all the like you said there's a lot of uh, almost information overload or like you know, there's so many, you can take a million courses and buy a hundred thousand books and pretty much every day somebody's discovering, you know, another Sloan manuscript, like five new right. words and new interpretations, right? So I think for somebody coming into this, like, uh, could be quite confusing. Whereas in your, when you first started, um, you know, there was only a few, a few books at the whatever bookstore you went to, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you'd be right? surprised how many books there were, but they were they mm -hmm. were um, more in harmony with each other in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um, because there was less information. So they were they were all operating from a few fountains of information uh, okay. coming out. So you would see more agreement amongst people. Mm -hmm. um, the it, it is a confusing matter, and I think I think the real confusion comes from really goes back very far and that is the the difference between philosophy mm -hmm. um you know magic that is de designed for spiritual growth mm -hmm. and then sort of sorcery magic that is designed for manipulating the universe in some way or another and mm -hmm. those have all kind of been lumped together into one thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, most of the philosophers out there have been accused of sorcery and have said, no, I'm not doing sorcery. I'm doing philosophy or divine magic. Um, mm. And and so uh, what's what's interesting about our current time period, because there are there's there's so little sort of authority over people's spiritual lives that that has taken um uh, you know, that, that, that forbids certain avenues or discourages them. Mm-hmm. People seem to be fleeing towards the sorcery and thinking that it is somehow the theurgy, <laughs> you know, that like that, right. that, 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 that doing magic in general <clears throat> is all the same uh, process. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be, and, and someone pointed out to me, I don't remember which, which person it was, you know, in the, all these interviews I've been doing that, you know, any any time that you're doing any kind of magic, you're raising your consciousness somewhat towards the level of the beings that you're working with, and of course, that is in some way evolving you theoretically. You know that you're mm-hmm. that you're you're that 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 uh, tendency to to move into a magical space is going to be an um, evolutionary force or a spiritually raising force, however you want to look at it. Um, and you know, and I I, I can see that. But at the same time, if, you, if you're constantly having grievances with other people and, and um, you know, resorting to, uh, you know, black candles and you know, <laughs> goofer dust, your, 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 your energy is going to be at a certain level that maybe isn't, I mean, certainly it's more evolved than human consciousness, but it sure. might not be the absolute um, best. Now, I think that some people, you know, um, because because we have so few qualified teachers in mm-hmm. in magic, I think a lot of people don't get any sort of boundaries placed on them. And, and I hate to use the word boundaries, more like more like a track, you know, <laughs> like a, like the, this is on track and this is sort of off track in a, in a direction that's not going to be that useful. There's very mm-hmm. little of that um, in in magic uh, in, mm-hmm. and and. In, in some of the more traditional um, sort of, uh, you know, initiatory systems that come out of, you know, Africa or South America, you, you, you do see some of that in there, you know, that, that, you know, if it's not righteous, you're, you're going to be bringing bad things upon yourself. Mm-hmm. But so many people are half exposed to that. And so start working with it without getting that message that you know you sure. everything everything that you do you're taking you're you're taking responsibility for not only the act itself but all the repercussions that come out of that act forever and always so are you sure you're on the right track with what you're doing um I, we don't see that a lot well it's kind of like um you're talking earlier like if you join maybe the aa and you're a probationer or something and you have to read you have to memorize a bunch of Crowley poetry, you know, and like do the LBRP for five years or something like this sort of um, you kind of mentioned how it's like this really slow, like, uh, you know, tedious thing, which has value in itself. And they have a system within itself, too. But it's, it was almost like overly structured, overly rigid, overly like you have to do this for five years before you reach the next badge or whatever. Right. Whereas like now it's so, sort of like the pendulum swung the opposite direction where it's like, there right. is no order. There is no discipline. There is no, you know, path to self-development or whatever. Right. And it's sort of um, maybe like a rebellion in a way, or maybe like the pendulum sure. swung, you know, it was way over here at one time and it's all the way over there now. Maybe, maybe at some point it sort of, um, you know, equals out, I don't know, perhaps. Right. 
But so um, I mean, what's what, what's interesting about um, what the 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 AA and the Golden Dawn is that I mean, they they really I mean, although people are continuing to sort of work with those ideas and and they a lot of them have some sort of thread of of continuity to the to the to past. But I mean, the Golden Dawn began in 1888. Um, it had it had some sort of like preceding stuff before that in, in back to maybe the 1850s and um the, you know so, some stuff can be traced you know there's a sort of a continuity of, of magical training that that is present and, and has always been present in in european culture but really you know the golden dawn represents a pretty big title shift it's not it's not representing a tradition it, it is creating a tradition at that at that moment so um, it's not really an old traditional thing. It's actually just some guys who are like, well, let's let's make a lodge structure to this, you know, this uh, mystical training. And, mm. you know, it, it's it's pretty questionable how how effective all that was. I, I think mm. a lot of the ideas were good. And I think there's ways in which it could it could be uh, moved into the future. But um, Crowley's take on it was actually a, a big title shift away from that too. I mean, first of all, mm -hmm. he'd been influenced by the um, Paramahansa Yogananda and, and mm -hmm. some other, um, you know, pretty, pretty good writers and speakers were coming mm -hmm. in from India and presenting um, the, these uh, yoga ideas and, and uh, tantric ideas in a way that was, that was compelling. And so he, he wanted to incorporate a lot more sort of consciousness work in what he was doing because the Golden Dawn's um, outer order was largely just memorization and performance of, like you said, the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. But Crowley actually wanted right. you to do a bunch of meditation um, in, in various ways and, and um, you know, psychic tests because um, the, uh, the, what was it called? The Royal, whatever it was called. The, the, you know, they were doing a lot of sort of psychic investigation at that point um, mm -hmm. Uh, with uh, spiritual spiritism and, and oh uh, theosophy or something like that is that what I mean theosophy of? sure yeah I mean oh, theosophy was yeah. a big a big a big player in that as well um, and also a big player in in bringing you know Eastern ideas in um, so so Crowley's mm -hmm. model um, is really much more based on um, yogic and Buddhist sort of transformations uh, mm -hmm. although he's still utilizing the tree of life. But if you look at sort of what the what what he was expecting from people, they were basically mastering various levels of consciousness. And that's really what I what I drew a lot of the stuff from the New Hermetics from um, while getting rid of, I think, a lot of the um, extraneous bits um, mm -hmm. and adding a few even more modern things to it. But I think there's two problems with with Crowley's AA that, that really jump out at me. First of all. Um, the structure of it, he wanted people to just have a master and people, and, and although it would be an, an organization, there'd basically be minimal or no contact between the members except for the teacher and student. Well, that works great if everyone coming into the thing is awesome in every way. <laughs> and so <laughs> you'll always, the person who you're assigned as a teacher and the person who comes in as your student are always on the level. They're always people who are, you know, sincerely interested and in going to, to go through it. But as soon as you start having people who aren't so great getting elevated and then having a student, all their students are going to be, have the same problems that they have, you know, mm. so the, so the thing has a very dangerous, um, uh, it, it's very easy for it to warp into something entirely different. Um, As it kind both, of has, right? You have this like lineage arguments and ego and sure. Sort, and all, sort all, of that, kinda, all that stuff. Yeah. But, 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 but then, but then the, you know, the, the, the work becomes more questionable because 
one person requires one thing to get forward and maybe something that really is unreasonable or something that, that they felt that they, that they thought think is important that isn't a part of the structure of it um, and, and creates problems that way. But then the other problem, and, it, and it's just a bigger problem, and it's even harder to solve because of the structure of the thing, is that none of the exercises have evolved in any way since <laughs> they were presented in the in the you know in the teens of of uh, you know of the 20th century. So that's a, a hundred years. This they've been using exactly the same stuff without any change, without without any acknowledgement of advances in many different ways, and all you know both scientifically and metaphysically in our culture. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of fascinating stuff. Like, first of all, the OOBE phenomenon has been basically um, it, it's pretty achievable for anybody at mm -hmm. this point, utilizing, you know, um, pretty simple techniques. I actually teach a course on the subject mm -hmm. um, that that uh, ha has really good results for everybody that takes it um, if they if they follow the instructions. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that you know, th that, that and that offers a much more sort of powerful version of a lot of the uh, body of light sort of techniques that that um uh that are that are taught in in the golden dawn and and the aa but they but they don't they don't really focus on like a full out-of-body experience so much as just sort of a um you know a, a visionary space um Mm. Additionally, there's a bunch of, you know, magical stuff and magical history stuff that has that has uh, been exposed at this point that is not a, that is not acknowledged as a component of, of either of those systems. And they have a lot of information in them that is somewhat questionable and it's based on, you know, speculation from that time period rather than anything historical. And, mm. and that's fine. You know, it, 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 it's, it, you know, it, it's a cohesive system. And I, and I don't think that there's any real problem with that. Um, it's mm. more about the, the, the technical stuff that, that, um, that is more of an issue. And it, we, we have, as a culture, mm -hmm. changed our ideas about what the world is dramatically in that time period. You know, we, mm -hmm. you know, quantum physics was just sort of in its infancy at that point. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had never been to space. We had, we, uh, I, I, I want to say during the, the golden dawn period, one of the outer planets was discovered, you know? So, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're, we, our world has dramatically shifted in, in this time period. Um, and, and again, and again, we have technologies like things like audio recordings were not really mm -hmm. possible. There's a few recordings of Crowley speaking um, or, or doing poetry or something like that. But, um, you know, really from that period, there's there's nothing from any of the other members in any kind of form other than writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have so many more avenues for things now um, that that. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Gansfeld um, is, is a fascinating um, psychic development or psychic, um, you know, space creating tool that has that has had um, the, it's impossible to deny unless you're one of those super hardcore skeptics. It's impossible What's the name of it? What's the name of Gans, Gansfeld field? It's basically okay. it's a it's a I mean, the, there, there's two things to it. I mean, there, there's there's the however you, you construct your um, experience or, or um, experiment. But the actual technique is is that basically they play white noise in your ears um, while they while they cover your eyes with like ping pong ball type things so that uh, so that yeah. you sort of see through it a little bit the light and stuff but it but you're mm -hmm. you're basically entering into like a liminal state automatically and then mm -hmm. and then you're presented with you know questions or something like that and mm -hmm. while while they don't 
I mean, while, while they kind of shake away some of some people's concepts of how incredibly psychic they are, they prove pretty, pretty undeniably, because I think there's been hundreds of thousands of tests with this, with this stuff at this point, that mm -hmm. people are able to both predict things in the future and um, see things from a distance, you know, in, in various oh, wow. ways. And, and, and there's some other ones that are just about like physiological changes in the body that they can demonstrate so that people, that some people are, we do have a, a um, a, a psychic reaction to things underneath the surface. Like they can, uh, one experiment I can, I can think of offhand, they, um, they will attach, uh, you know, things to test people's, you know, skin response, you know, basically like a lie detector type thing, um, mm. and have, have images not shown to them of, um, various things like scary images or happy images. And they can, and, and they, and they, they can see physiological changes taking place that relate to those images, even though the person isn't actually seeing them physically, but just because it's being presented at them psychically. So, I mean, mm. we have, a, we have, we have the, these sorts of things that are, that are out there that, um, that, that no one has really effectively combined with the more sort of magical approach to things, the more ritualized approach to things. And mm -hmm. I, I could see them having a very um, nice harmony with one another oh, because yeah because the you know the the magical stuff and the magical training tra trains your consciousness in various ways and the you know sort of uh, scientific and, and medical testing brings a layer of um you know uh, sort of accountability to the process oh yeah. uh, speaking of which the um the uh, what is it called the um the training where, where you can actually um, train yourself to move into different things. I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but, you know, attaching yourself to equipment that, and, and learning to move your, um, you know, your levels into different ways. I mean, this is something that, you know, again, it, it has a lot of applicability to, uh, to magic, but it has never been brought in. So, and the reason I, that I'm blathering on about this is because one of the things that the AA, its motto is, is the method of science, the aim of religion. And, <laughs> You know, if, you, if you're using 100-year-old experiments and involving mm. nothing for the past 100 years, it's hardly possible <laughs> to claim that you're using the, the, the method of science in any level whatsoever. So yeah, yeah. Kind, of, um, kind of stalled out science, I guess. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Science turned into, you know, sort of <laughs> perfunctory requirement. Um, right. So, I mean, I, you know, the, I, I think that's, that's the big problem with those lodge systems is that because... Um, people are, you know, because I mean, if you joined the AA, you know, and everyone was like, do what they will, it will be the whole of the law, but now we're going to attach some electrodes to you. People would be <laughs> like, what is going on? You know, because they, 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 they're expecting, you know, this sort of ritualized stuff. So, sure. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're in a, a, a time period where, you know, things are, you know, some people are, are wanting to go the opposite direction and, you know, dress up uh, as, uh, you know, ancient bards and stuff and you know mm -hmm. <laughs> dance around the fire um which is i i think there's great value in, in doing that sure. um, from a from a, a personal level um having experienced some of that stuff myself mm -hmm. um but that isn't that isn't necessarily you know the the only way of <laughs> exploring this stuff either um sure. the i mean the, the thing for me is i feel like if we're not moving towards greater harmony and happiness in ourselves Mm -hmm. there's really no point to any of this stuff you know like the the sure. the the path of life should be towards 
coherence in ourselves and not and walking through the world feeling you know that that it's a friendly place that we can engage with in a way that that both enriches our consciousness and enriches the consciousness of those around us and um a lot of the stuff that's going on in occultism right now does not seem to be in that direction at all so that's yeah. that's me off of my um off of my uh my, my soapbox for the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty so. unfortunate but uh i was really glad when i found your um particularly your path working and your new hermetics course because it was like a couple years ago or a few years ago um i applied to for the aa and it was like you have to like memorize 15 books and like i don't know it just didn't really you know it's like accept crowley as your prophet it didn't really uh, vibe with me or resonate with me right but then uh eventually found your courses and it was pretty cool because it had a lot of the kabbalah stuff into the kabbalah path working and a lot of the stuff i was interested like books i was reading on but um you know this is in like video course form and actual stuff that you can it's all hands-on stuff which was really good about your um material was it wasn't just like you know you, you include pdf files and things along those lines and stuff to study of course as well but the emphasis was more on doing the work, doing the meditations, do, you know, experiencing um, these levels of consciousness and doing the work rather than, you know, wait for a year and study 30 books and, you know, maybe do meditation a couple of years later or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, so I thought, I thought a... you know, and plus the, uh, like you said, the sort of um, technological aspect of with the audio recordings, with the different stuff that you're able to integrate really makes it sort of seem together and it's very uh it's definitely something i recommend to a lot of people if they have a chance to check it out and that you know that that's a comment that i hear a lot about about you know kind of doing the work as opposed to reading about the work and you know essentially okay so so back to back to my narrative for a second here um the so i, I created the new hermetics book and my real reason was because i actually was involved in in oto and aa at that time and i noticed that you know uh, you know, the, with with the AA, uh, you know, I'm I'm I I'm not going to disagree that there's that there's some hurdles to get through, but at the same time, I think that most of the books that are recommended to read um, are books that would probably be a good idea to read. Um, even some of the, uh, you know, he he recommends a number of fiction books, and I and I actually, you know, and those aren't required reading, but those are just meant to be sort of things that will inspire you along the way. And I actually went through and read a number of them. Um, a few years ago, and I thought, you know, this, these really are actually pretty interesting and, and, you know, valuable, although, you know, nowadays, it would probably be an entirely different list, because um, there just weren't, there weren't, I mean, there was no such thing as high fantasy at that time, you know, so there was, you know, there were, they were books that there, I mean, check out the list, because it's kind of, it's kind of intriguing, you know, some of them are like the, you know, the Thousand and One Nights and things like that, but there, but there's, mm. but there's some, some interesting 19th century occult literature in there that's that I think it's worth checking out. But um, but the I mean the actual structure of AA itself, um, it, it has most of what is in the New Hermetics in it. Um, but like you said, it stretches it out over an incredibly long period of time, and one that it's questionable how much fruit you're going to get out of um, that that long of a path through it because you're not going to be making a whole lot of progress during at least the first part of it. So, I mean, in a way it weeds out the, the people who are, who are unqualified for it, but at the same time, it also weeds out some people who are just like, 
you know, can we get on with it? And we also right. come in with more knowledge than we did at that point. So there's a lot of things like reading all that occult literature that's like, well, maybe that's not quite as necessary because it's more infused in our culture in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, I wrote the book trying to sort of give a way of people to approach the mystical and magical aspects of, you know, the, the Thalamic world it with, with along with a few other things that 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 I that I added in, um, in the hopes that it would kind of inspire some of the people who I knew who were interested in magic and stuff, but but like yourself, were feeling intimidated by some aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the book I don't think it reached the people I was trying to reach out to. It reached a different group of people, but I mean, it's and that, and that's good. It reached it reached the right people for it. Mm -hmm. um, but but I think that a lot of the occult community has kind of. Um, not been all that interested in my book because of the fact that they're that they're saying you know well where where are the candles and robes and stuff and, and it's not mm -hmm. as present in there um, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know I created that Yahoo group uh, after the after the thing came out and people were just asking about those those first levels and so I thought well I'm going to create a little course that you know that I can sort of guide people through and I guided a bunch of people through um, all, all of the five levels of the new hermetics that were that were you know there at that time um, and a lot of them got through it I mean you know mm. I, I, I trained you know quite a few people through through the whole system and um, that was really the only way to get people to move past chapter one and I, and, I, and I wonder how many people out there are stuck on chapter one of some magic book or another because mm. the you know, you know a lot of books say things like, well, you know, focus your mind until you can um, visualize this as if it's in the room and um, it can solidly stay that way without you thinking about anything else. Well, I mean, that's a that's a monumental uh, mental task. And if, and if you mm -hmm. if you if you take that literally word for word, you're not that's your life. <laughs> life. And in fact, there are there are there are people who that they, they literally do that. They have an image of some divine being and they just sit there and they and they um you know sit with that forever and th and that's their whole spiritual practice and i think that you know that's that's fine um but that's not what the structure of of these organizations is or the structure of my book is so mm -hmm. um you know i wanted to encourage people to kind of get proficient with things through the process of doing a lot of things rather than get yeah. proficient with things by doing the same thing over and over again um and mm -hmm. and i think both both can have value, but I, but I don't, I, I don't think people realize that that second one doing a lot of, a lot of different things can, can train you in the same way, which it can, you know, you don't have to look at, uh, you don't have to visualize a triangle every single day in order to become better at visualizing things. Um, right, right, right. I think people also have a tendency to, um, at least this is what I've noticed, like read a hundred books on something and not ever do it. You know, I mean, that sure. doesn't, that's not necessarily just the occult, right? Like people, no. I know people that read like 50 books on how to open a business, but they've never, you know, they never even opened their own website or like right. even tried to develop a product. Right. So um, that, that's what shocked me about a lot of other people I was chatting with. Like I got into the Enochian stuff, like started making my own stuff, started, you know, doing some of the work. And uh, I talked to people who like, you know, they have everything and they read every single John D diary, but they've never even done anything with it. Right. Like never even scribed, you know, text or something like that. So 
Um, well, it's it, actually a lot more common than you would think. Like it's kind oh, of absolutely. like uh, it's kind of like uh, like uh, what's his name? Chogyam Trungpa talks about uh, spiritual materialism, where it's like you collect all these books and you know it's like all the cool candles and all the stuff, but you never really like get the insight or to get the experience. So you know, and and you know ultimately that's what it's there for, right? Is to is right. to is to get the insight. And so if you aren't getting that, you're you know you're getting something. You know, I, I, there, there's a certain joy that comes from discovering something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people find that from reading a book that, that you know, that the, the ideas in the book, you know, oh, that's such a, I, I, wow, that changed my life. And some people get it, um, you know, especially in, in weird little communities like this. And it's not just um, Western occultism. There's, there's people who do it for, you know, ancient philosophy. There's people who do it for um, yoga philosophy or Taoism, you know, but where you, where you get in with the manuscripts and you start reading somebody else's, you know, some, some, some ancient um, uh, text and you realize that you found something that you've never seen anyone talk about before, you know, and there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a joy that comes from that. And I think a lot of um, uh, the modern sort of like scholar occultists um, spend a lot of time doing that. They're, they, they, they're pouring through books um, not so much to improve their rituals, but to have this sort of like eureka moment where they discover something that that you know that they can then either answer a question or ask a different question from this piece of information that changes everything. This changes everything. Um, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Whereas you know, I mean, from a from a, a growth perspective, the time would better be probably spent just doing the ritual over and over again and seeing what you can change you know in in, in your experience oh and then and then this this brings up another topic that that um there there's there's a lot of people who come to me who who think that that there's a um that that a ritual is supposed to do something to them you know that you are um you you say you know like it's a like it's a, a drug or a, um, a, a a new app on the phone. You know, if you just say the ritual or do the actions of the ritual, that that's that that is going to do something to you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas what's really happening in a ritual is that you are doing something. Right. You know, the, right. the ritual You're- is a the ritual is a tool like a shovel or a, a musical instrument. And mm-hmm. you are creating what what comes out of it um sure which, sure which i mean you know there, there's some argument about this but you know realistically you can call an angel or you can call a demon or you can call um, an ancient god of some for, sort or another or you can call upon one of the various sort of buddha emanations um mm-hmm. but ultimately you're connecting with that and you're transforming through that. And that connection and transformation is what is creating the magic. It doesn't, it doesn't happen without something going on in you. <laughs> you know, it's not, you're sure. not separate from it. You're not just a, um, uh, a, a, a conductor and everyone else is, is the, you know, all the spirits are the, um, the instruments. You're, you're part of the, the orchestra as well. Um, mm-hmm. And not even necessarily the leader in the orchestra, just just a component in it. And um, 
you know, there's a lot of room for improvisation in, in the magical orchestra. <laughs> so you get to, mm. you get to move things around a bit yourself, but you're, you're part of a bigger picture no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think um, looking at yourself as uh, a part of a, of a cosmic plan mm-hmm. um, while not trying not to become, you know, insane and thinking that you are the Messiah of that cosmic plan, which is very easy to do. Um, I've known a, a number of people who, well, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they think they are a Messiah. I've, I've seen an, a lot of people act like they are. Um, sure. But, sure. Mm-hmm. but you've got to, you've got to, um, to, to see yourself in a bigger picture. And, and that's the same thing with the, with the magical, you know, the magical acts. If you're, if you're uh, cursing a bunch of people or casting a bunch of love spells on people, or even just constantly obsessively doing wealth spells or something like that you're you're not seeing yourself as a part of of a bigger picture you're seeing yourself as a as a little thing that is trying to somehow steal something out of the bigger picture right you're seeing yourself like i need to leech a little bit of this you know or i don't know it's i just think it's kind of funny because um you know, if you spent that sort of time building a business or learning a skill, like you would get the money. And the place of magic in that right. is, is you start your business and then you do a working to bless the business or to, you know, or to, to draw people to the business. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, if you're course, just, yeah. Um, but if you're, if you're, if your whole focus is on, you know, I'm going to do a spell and it's going to bring me a bunch of money or I'm going to do a spell and it's going to make a bunch of people fall in love with me. Even if it works, you're still not, you're not growing, you know? Whereas if you say, I'm going to do some self-improvement, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to, you know, uh, brush my teeth more (laughs) and then I'm going to do a love spell. You're growing as a part of that process. And I think a lot of people miss out, miss that, that part of the equation. Um, Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, the spell, yeah, that can align your intention that can align your, you can kind of tune in your consciousness to that specific thing you're focusing on, but you're still, you know, which is very beneficial, of course, right? That's why you do it. But then you're still going to have to go and actually do, you know, go actually do the work, not like sit around just hoping shit, you know, money falls on your lap or something like that. Right. And so yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes people do rituals, and that sort of stuff does happen. Money falls on their laps, but yeah, um, you know, if they're not if they're not growing, they're they're you know they're not going to utilize it in a way that's that's beneficial in the same way that, as if they were evolving at the same time. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm curious, like your own. So we talked about how you were in the AA and um, the OTO and whatnot, and uh, developed the new Hermetics, but from all the way back then until now, how would you say your overall, you know, your praxis or even the kind of practices that you do on a regular basis, how has that evolved? Well, I mean, I, I'd say I do a lot more uh, meditation than magic at this point. And mm-hmm. when I do magic, it is largely either, um, you know, sort of, uh, celebratory with with sort of a you know giving an offering to my um spirit retinue in my in my uh inner universe or i am doing something that i feel is necessary you know to to sort of help something to manifest in a, in a way mm-hmm. but 
my sort of, um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing lesser banishing rituals of the pentagram every day. I'd, I'd much rather sit in meditation than do that. Um, although I do often sort of set up my inner temple world around me when I'm, when I'm doing it before I do a meditation and just sort of sit there, you know, with that in place. Um, the, I mean, the need for magical ritual seems to be um, sort of, it seems to be balanced with, you know, where you are, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a point when, uh, you know, d lighting the candles and putting on the robes and so forth, that serves a, that serves a purpose of um, orienting yourself into a magical world, but it, it isn't something that is, is necessary for doing magic at all points. I do, I do think that um, there, there, there's enough value in that, that I would that I would strongly encourage people to at least at first do that. And then sometimes do it, um, you know, like if you're doing a ritual that's important to you in some way, do it in that more formal way. But I, I don't mm -hmm. think that it's necessary to always have that because I think that when people feel like they always have to have the perfect setting and the perfect tools and the perfect everything, they end up falling into the category you were talking about earlier of people who have a bunch of stuff who never do anything. Um, I think it, I think I think it's more important to 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 um, to start moving your consciousness in various ways as quickly as possible, and and discover sort of what your you know limits and powers are, mm -hmm. and, and and you know and then and then move from there, you know and and collect things as you will along the way to improve things, but don't I mean I think there's a mistake that gets made by a lot of people that. Um, that the, it is it is the collection of more stuff that has made their magic better rather than that it is the the years of work that they've put into magic that's making their magic better um mm -hmm. yeah, I, i've discussed point. this i've discussed this with a few people and um none of them agree with me but that's okay um but the you know like if, if you start off and you're just doing like a candle uh ritual that you that you read in in a you know basic wicca book or something like that um, and, and that works sort of, but then, you know, years later, after having done thousands of rituals, you discover the, um, you know, the, the, um, I don't know, the, the, uh, the black pullet and you then, and then you start working out of that and you find that's much more powerful than what you were doing before. Don't assume that it's because the book is more powerful, but perhaps because your connection with the spirit world has, has improved enough that you are able to tap into those things. You know, I mm. think that, um, there's a when I'm doing something magical, there's a there's a, a profound shift that takes place in my awareness. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be more important to me than any particular ritual. Um, and that's my personal experience. But um, I, I, I would I would suggest that it is most likely the universal experience. I think some people don't notice their inner state as much as other people do. And I think that's one of the values of things like um, the consciousness trainings that you would get in the new hermetics or, you know, older versions of the, of the same sort of things, you know, where you're actually really tuning into what's going on in your body and various things. Um, you know, that, that the, the, the energies that you're, that you're attempting to flow through you. Once you start really feeling those, um, it, it really transforms what you're doing. And then suddenly 
any magical action becomes possible to you because you know how to sort of move yourself into that place. Um, I think that I think that that's sort of not been getting expressed as much um, because people are so focused on the um, meeting with with different entities sort of aspect of magic for the last couple of decades and um, very often they they I mean the, the the meeting with the entity isn't really even present in what they're doing they're just sort of going through the motions of doing it and you know I think that that actually the entity is present but if you if you've done that training then the the presence of the entity is much more powerful I just mm. I just read <laughs> Um, someone made a post on Facebook about the fact that they'd been a witch for a long time or something like that. And they just, they just discovered, you know, um, golden dawn magic and they started doing the LBRP and all of a sudden they noticed that there were all these, you know, sort of entities around in their house. They started, you know, seeing and experiencing all this activity. And, um, while, while I don't want to cast aspersions on witchcraft uh, and I have no idea what particular form of witchcraft they're doing. It seems like because of the fact that the way that the LBRP is largely taught at this point has like an energetic focus to it and and mm -hmm. a and a visualization focus to it on, on a on a on a pretty heavy level that mm -hmm. they're that they're they're literally by doing that ritual they're tuning into a, a different sort of frequency than the one that they'd been tuning into before and so mm -hmm. those spirits that they're seeing are most likely already there. <laughs> you know, they're most likely the same, the same stuff that was there the day before, but they're just, they're just looking at their world in a slightly different way. And right. I, I would, they've I, learned I to sort of adjust their consciousness and their perspective, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. So that suddenly they're, they're focusing on that, that sort of spiritual plane and, mm -hmm. and, and they're, you know, having more dramatic experiences happening in their life. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say that it couldn't possibly be the same way going the other way around either that you know someone someone could be sort of uh, perfunctorily or or just you know robotically um performing the lbrp and then they go to a, they get initiated into a, a a witchcraft coven that emphasizes you know transformation of consciousness and all of a sudden they're having um a bunch of entities and spiritual experiences all around <laughs> them you know it's like right. sometimes when when we move away from the known into the unknown um while at the same time changing our, our perspective and our consciousness on things, we are going to have more powerful experiences from that no matter what. Um, sure. So I, I think that, I, th I think that a, a lot of people um, get caught up in, in the, in the text rather than the, um, the self <laughs> in their, in their um, magical pursuits. And, and I think that's kind of the, the, the whole essence of what I've been trying to say for that is that, is that we, we, we need to transform and when we transform <laughs> suddenly new opportunities to, you know open up to us so so you're you're saying like jesus don't get caught in the letter of the law basically right <laughs> it's kind of like what I jesus mean, said to you know when he came to the uh, uh, uh the, yeah the Jews i mean whatnot, right yeah. yeah well uh, yeah i mean i'm not really a, a, <laughs> so are, a, a, <laughs> you're the occult jesus no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm playing no, no 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 not at all but no and and and, and, and i i don't i what the intention of that statement would be a little hard for me to speculate on because, you know, it's been, I think that it's at least quadruple translated, um, oh, true. getting, That's true. getting to, to us. So it's a little, I mean, there's this, uh, the, the, the gospel of Thomas, um, I actually, mm -hmm. I spent, I, I did a, I've got a little book on the subject, 
um, where I where I compared it with the the canonical gospels and mm-hmm. um, it's 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 extremely related to them in terms you know the Gospel of Thomas is just a series of statements that doesn't have any sort of um, uh, uh, narrative in it but mm-hmm. most of most of the statements that Jesus makes in the New Testament are present in it, or a large number of them anyway and they all are different they all have a different an entirely different meaning in many in many way many times and in a, a, um, a substantially different at least in in some other cases but um mm. you know it, it, it's quite possible that it that it is sort of like the the, ba- the basic text that came from it or it's also possible that it's a text that someone wrote intentionally to kind of like change the meanings of everything that jesus said so i mean we, we don't sure. really know because but but i mean it's it's one of the, it's one of the oldest um you know, it's it, it's certainly older than any copy of the of the New Testament that we that we currently have. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it, so I mean, you know, it, it, there's a there's an agenda behind a lot of um, spiritual structures, and not not just Western ones, but mm-hmm. you know, people people change things over time and say this means this and this means the other thing in order to um, enhance their personal either. Um, spiritual aspirations or more likely though they're political or, or social. Yeah, mostly. I was going to say um, mostly political I feel like but yeah <laughs> so, you know I mean yeah. it's, it's hard to say you know that 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 particular text has been really pretty you know rifled through um, mm-hmm. and 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 changed to meet certain people's um, expectations for you know the first few hundred years and then you know now it's 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 pretty in stone at this point but anyway right um there's the, a uh oh go ahead sorry no no you go ahead um actually there's a since we're talking about spirits and entities and whatnot there's a question that you ask all your guests that i actually want to ask you which is how do you see these you know in your own direct experience or in your own personal gnosis right how do you see these entities how do you experience them is it you know, sort of part of your mind, or is it something completely detached? What's your own um, experience with this? Okay, so for me, mm-hmm. I feel like the universe has an intelligent quality to it. There's there, you know, and and I and it seems to me that the most fundamental. Um, field of the universe has to be consciousness mm-hmm. because of the way that the universe acts um and the way that um my my experience of things has unfolded um as for all the individual sort of entities in it in the same way that we're temporary i think they're probably somewhat temporary too um i think that there are uh you know my my experience of you know, sort of divine beings in between us and the ultimate is is largely almost that they're sort of like a a, a, a swirling sea of intelligence that can crystallize into things and decrystallize into things. The essence of it stays somewhat stable in the same way that if you look at a river, there'll often be these little sort of swirls that happen in it and sometimes the swirls are very temporary and they're tiny and they just sort of swirl for a moment and other times they become a a part of the of the flow of the river and it stays almost you know forever 
Um, and, I, and, you know, the, the universe is a mathematical, for want of a better word, um, mm-hmm. thing. And I think in a lot of ways, what we have called gods and spirits are different sort of um, uh, tendencies uh, toward things that can be sort of summarized in the numbers. For instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, love is is a is a force that um, that draws us together, um, and that and that is a uh, you know a, a constant energy in the universe. And the individual sort of entities that we can associate with love are ways of us interacting with that concept. And, and they, Mm. and they have a sort of stability to them over time. And I think they also can sort of recrystallize at any time um, that they're, that they're a possibility that's out there that isn't necessarily um, anything like what we would imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. for, you know, any, like our mythologies and so forth, but it can crystallize into those mythologies because those, those are, representations on a, on a higher level than, than ourselves of, of those forces that are taking place. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I think that there are, there are different aspects of intelligence in the universe. And to think that that's not true is just simply not looking at your own inner experience. You know, mm-hmm. um, if we, if we look at just in ourselves, we have a lot of different sort of, parts of ourselves that manifest at different times you know sometimes we're um the angry self that we you know that we are and we're very you know ferocious and sometimes we're the loving self sometimes we're the enlightened self sometimes we're the um fearful self you know there's all these different things and those and those beings although they they all call themselves by our name are not necessarily the same real entity at all um and, and i think that 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 is true of a lot of um, entities that are out there, um, and true, you know, and I think it kind of, it, it, it takes place on a, um, uh, on an unfolding, you know, sort of chain of, of things from, you know, the concrete to the abstract. And I, and I think that, you know, the, the names that we've learned to call them mm-hmm. are, um, are sometimes inspired mm-hmm. by that, by those, by those, uh, intelligences themselves. And other times they're, they're simply things that we, that, you know, we, we call it by the name that we, that we call the, the concrete version of it. And in mm-hmm. fact, if you look at the, um, the Greek um, daemons, mm-hmm. uh, the vast majority of them are simply a name for something like fear or sleep or, uh, sure. you know, or hope or, or justice. You know, these are, these are all entities that exist and we can call upon them. And we can relate to them and we can connect ourselves more to them. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we can even get them to do things for us uh, occasionally. Um, they, are, they are not necessarily living the same sort of, you know, life with its, with its challenges and, and, and flaws as we are, because that's simply not what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, that answered very well. It actually reminds me, your answer... Um... I, uh, I studied Buddhism for quite a long time before I got into magic and Western esotericism uh-huh. and uh, recently got back from a uh, temple stay here. I live here in South Korea and uh, Zen Buddhism, or as it's called, Sun Buddhism here, 
is quite popular. And recently I've been diving into a book called the uh, Avatamsaka Sutra, which I think it's called uh, the Flower Garland Sutra, I believe in English. You can find it probably on Amazon or something, but your answer is pretty much, it's pretty much how uh, that text describes the universe is very similar to what your answer was, where it's sort of, um, sort of like there's a bunch of different entities that are shape-shifting as part of this one sort of cosmic awareness, but they're not inherently, everything's in flux basically, right? So you have right. like, you have the bodhisattvas, but they constantly transform. It's like a fractal universe basically, right? Where Yeah, fractal sort of, is a good, a good description. Right, right, right. And basically, um, I don't want to like bastardize the text, but your answer is very similar to that. So I think you would, uh, I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's, uh, it's a it's a very good one and it's probably like 100 pages i think long but uh kind of gets you know it covers the basic essence of like emptiness the basic buddhist concepts but with a sort of cosmology that um can can i guess you could definitely apply that to the western uh, esoteric perspective as well you know if you just replace the bodhisattvas and the um you know the arhats and whatnot with uh whatever it is right the daemons or the angels or what have you right right and and so i mean that that the the fact that that is is actually one of the 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 you know i guess comforts <laughs> to my own perspective but um because you know if if we all live in the same universe so, so yeah. if if there is if there's if there is anything to all this at least the people who are who are writing from experience rather than just sort of writing down other people's thoughts um should should sort of seem somewhat similar to each other right even if even right. if the names that they're assigning to it are different the the essence of the of the of the perception should be somewhat similar at least uh, you know and, and I, I don't i don't think that what i'm saying is really all that different from uh, you know, the, the sort of initiated perspective on the, the universe that ancient philosophers had either. It's, it's really those who, um, first of all, take things too literally or who don't actually have experiences themselves, but who want to write about it as if they, as if they know what they're talking about it, that sort of create m more complicated answers than that. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the, sure. The, this has to be true and that can't be true because that would challenge my hegemony or, you know, this, this more complicated answer sounds like, a, you know, it, it will, it will sell more seats at my seminar. Um, the, yeah, but sure. I mean, ultimately, you know, there's an interesting thing in um, uh, the, the Egyptian mysteries or De, De Mysteries by um, Iamblichus and uh, Porphyry um, asks the question, um, you know, or, or makes the statement, I acknowledge that there are, that there are gods and um, Iamblichus in the voice of, of the, the, the character in, this, in, in the text says, um, that's a wrong way of looking at it from the beginning. You don't need to acknowledge that there are gods. You just need to look, you know, feel your experience because the gods are, you know, within us and without us, everything is the gods. So, mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging them is, is actually taking yourself away from the whole process <laughs> entirely and just wanting to move to an intellectual level where you're just thinking about it as opposed to experiencing it. And if you just sort of 
open yourself up to it, it's perfectly obvious that the gods are there. So right, um, right, right, definitely. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead. Oh, I also find it fascinating that like, like you're saying, it's like, yeah, we live in the same world. Like, although you're in America, I'm here in Asia. But I mean, there are very similar practices. There are very similar entities that represent similar archetypes, perhaps, or concepts, or you know, yeah, things and, you that know, it, uh, levels of consciousness, even perhaps, right? And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, my own personal experience is quite similar with yours, but it is interesting that you have people that um, a lot of people. I think they tend to car- compartmentalize things, right? Like those are totally different entities and totally different ideas when really if you dig deeper it really is quite you know similar representations i guess you would say right um and and, i mean realistically our our you know our world has always been somewhat in connected to each other too i mean we're we're, you know there are there are a few places that are pretty remote from from other people but you know the some of the similarities are simply because the people actually met each other and actually worked with each other and we just don't have a record right. of it you know like the the right. you know the, there's some stuff that is or actually carried things with them as they moved across the planet you know the mm-hmm. the indo-european uh, or, or uh yeah the that that language family um all share a sort of similar not identical and with you know many places where you know things have changed and evolved over time but but a similar sort of sense of of um divine hierarchy and and different sorts of uh, you know different kinds of gods that do different i mean there, there, there's a lot of relationship there more than oh, more yeah. than the separation um in a, in a lot of ways um, once you get past names and forms you know <laughs> sure sure that's what's great about your courses is that you really um you blend everything so seamlessly together right like the eastern at least from you know my experience with it the eastern stuff the western stuff it's not like compartmentalized like that's over there and this is here it's sort of bring it together in a very harmonious way that um makes a lot of sense and it's kind of funny because i started out more with eastern practices and then found out I mean, I knew about the Western stuff, the Western esotericism and kind of grew up with my grandpa. He was a 33rd degree Freemason and mm. sort of like a head honcho. Like I grew up with all this hermetic symbolism everywhere. And my, you know, I visited my grandpa's house and even swords and all this regalia and everything like that. Right. So I had a, an interest in it, but I was more you know, inclined towards Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, Eastern practices initially. But uh, it's kind of funny, like when I got into the Western stuff, then I eventually go down the Enochian rabbit hole, right? And all of my experiences with Enochian has been like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where it's like this bardo state, these sort of reflections of uh, what, what would, you know, these reflections of your own psyche and your own uh, predispositions and sort of, uh, you, I, I'm sure you probably read the uh, Tibetan Book of the Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's been my experience. So it's like, I don't really see these things as, you know, on, in the outer world, they're separate, but I see the experiences or the ultimate, like what you're tapping into, the ultimate consciousness is all the same and sort of the uh, just different approaches, different systems, you know, different names. That's the way I experience it, at least. Not saying that's right, but it's been my experience. There's a, um, there's a, there's a, um, a strong tendency for people who do a lot of um, spiritual practice. And by that, I mean, practices that are um, inclined towards, you know, knowing more about the universe, um, whether that's through magic or through meditation or through some, some, you know, uh, connected, 
you know, some form that is uh, both of those at the same time. Um, toward seeing a brother and everyone that they see, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's it's more um, people who are trying to prove that a book is correct or a system is correct that tend to see enemies everywhere that they see. Um, you know, there, there, right. there's always going to be some, some way in which um, any group of mystics can kind of understand another group of mystics. But when, mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to, to prove that your version of things is correct, it, it, it indicates you're probably not doing a whole lot of practice or, or your practice is along uh, a line that is that is just focused on proving that you're right rather than growing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh ram das uh he, he had a brother who went like insane and went to a mental hospital or something like that it's an old book i read a long time ago and uh, he goes he he said he was like the messiah and everything he said was correct this is his brother right and uh, he had like long hair. He's like, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah or whatever. And he's like, why are you out? You know, Ram Dass is a guru, right? And uh, sort of dressed, you know, in the same way, long hippie hair and everything like that. right? Sure. And he goes, uh, what's the difference between me and you? You claim that you, you're this guru guy. This, <laughs> We're the same, aren't we? He goes, well, the difference between me and you is Ram Dass says that I think that everyone is Jesus. I think we're all gurus, right? But you think you're the only right guru. That's the difference. <laughs> That's why you're in there and I'm out here. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty funny, I thought, but uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, um, we kind of talked about a lot of the stuff, but um, are, is there any um, like new stuff that you're working on these days? Because you put out a lot of good courses and books and everything. Is there any new areas of practice you've been exploring or new um, you know, courses you've been working on or anything like that? Well, for the past few years, I've been getting more and more into um, studying um, ancient philosophy and um, ancient magical practices that go significantly further back from the sort of, you know, Golden Dawn era stuff and even the Grimoire stuff. You know, I've been, I've been more interested in um, the Greek magical papyri and um, the Neoplatonist philosophies uh, and, you know, in doing so, I think it's more of an aesthetic shift than anything else. I don't, I don't, um, I don't just, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like it's better than the other stuff that I've been exploring, but it's just stuff that sort of um, feels more fun to me. And it may, and it may be in, in a similar vein to the way that people, you know, become more interested in the grimoires and not interested in Golden Dawn. Um, I don't see them as being mutually exclusive in any way. And I don't see them as mm -hmm. being, one being better than the other at all. Well, the, um, uh, so, the PGM is trending pretty heavy these days, though, right? <laughs> the PGM I guess stuff. so, yeah. I mean, it I seems mean, like, I, it seems I, like I, it's I, everywhere now. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, I, I've been at it for a while. And yeah, I mean, it seems like it's, it's sort of people are blossoming up around me, getting interested in it, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually started making some little, you know, talismans and stuff and, and putting them on Etsy. So, um, that's, that's been, you know, a little, a little side project I've been working on for a while. Um, I'm not really working on a book on that right now. I am working on a different sort of project related to that, um, which I'm, uh, it's, it's two, um, uh, embryonic for me to discuss it right now. But, um, the, the, the next thing that's going to come out is I'm going to do a series of, um, classes, hopefully on a lot of the tools that I've made. 
just to, you know, like a little one day class or something on them um, so that people can understand the intent that I have for them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that includes like sort of like my scrying kits and so forth. And, you know, I, I keep making courses that are more general, like here's how to scry. And I think people don't understand that you can then take that and apply it to, um, you know, other stuff. So I want to, I want to be a little bit more uh, specific and <laughs> help people understand what, what my, what my intention is. And, um, I'm also, I'm also working on a, a course that it is sort of a, I guess it's, it's, it's some of the stuff we've been talking about, um, a way of kind of integrating different ways of looking at magic, because, um, there's a lot of disagreement in the magical community between a few different ways of looking at what, the occult is and I and I don't actually think they mean different things from each other I just think that they just are they're they're not speaking each other's language you know like there's there's a lot of people that feel kind of lost in translation or something (laughs) yeah and 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 part that's partly because of the the transmission the way things get taught um people people are told this way is the way and that way is not the way and so um you know if you hear something that sounds like what someone what your respected guru has said is not the way you tend to dismiss it rather than looking at it and going, well, how is this related to what it is that, you know, I'm the, the way that I, the way that I explore things. And perhaps there's a missing piece in what I've learned that might, that might be found in that, in that other way of looking at things, at least a little bit. So, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm creating it. I don't, I don't know um, how big of uh, an audience something like that will have, because I think that we, we have become kind of fragmented. And so people are sort of, happy in the way that they're looking at things mm-hmm. whether 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 it's you know it's a full view or not so i'm mm-hmm. not sure um but i've mm-hmm. i've been kind of piecing that together um and uh we'll see what we'll see what happens with it i have created um you know a number of new courses um recently uh, i've got a 30-day course that i call a modern approach to grimoire magic but it actually i mean i, I do devote a day to talking a little bit about um the greek magical papyri but it's actually it's not really just about grimoire magic. It's about practical magic in general and, and the procedures that, that need to take place in order to do um, ritual magic in a, um, uh, in a way that is, you know, outside of the sort of lodge orientation. You know, there's a, a lot of magicians sort of come, come to things with this sort of either, you know, calling the quarters or um, doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram or opening by watchtower. And these are all sort of, mm-hmm. um, uh, very modern innovations and i think that they that they're that they're good and and they and you can even utilize them within the 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 structure of the the course that i'm talking about but there's some other stuff that ends up kind of getting left behind um such as preparation and the actual um organization of you know yourself and your consciousness as you're preparing to go into a an uh, a conjuration or um a uh, a prayer or ev- evocation um mm-hmm. so i mean that's that 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 course is um i think extremely useful mm-hmm. uh for for a magic practitioner of any kind um uh and that 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 course along with my 60-day adaptive challenge mm-hmm. and the um new hermetics course really are, are very very complete sort of magical training that that covers the whole gamut from you know meditation to ritual to transformation to um, you know gaining the knowledge and conversation of your holy guardian angel and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've, I've created most of the magical stuff that I, that I need to create, (laughs) you know, so um, there's not, uh, I mean, you know, could I improve upon everything that I've, that I've done so far? I think I probably could, but um, you know, there's, there's everything that's there is um, very workable and very, um, very useful. I mean, I, you know, like the, some of my video presentations, I, I don't know, I'm not sure how much of my new hermetics course you did, but you know, that's got like 200 videos in it or something like that. <laughs> and some right. of them, some of them I created sort of, I was on a trip and I, you know, I wanted to create the video. So it's in a hotel room and, you know, like it's not, mm-hmm. it, it isn't all as, as uh, um, crisp and commercial as, as it could be, but I think that the, the basics of it is all pretty, pretty good. So Oh yeah, the values um, there though, you know, the values there, yeah. and plus, uh, you know, you get to the point during the uh, video uh, lectures, and then it's not like that's it's just the video. You have like you include PDFs, you include um, yeah, and there's audio and there's files, th- and so many other resources and tools to work on that module. So right, so I mean, you know, basically, I I do I talk about what what the the lesson is about, and then there's an audio file that is a meditation that you do. And that's, that's mm-hmm. true of almost all of the courses mm-hmm. um, that I've created. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be one or two places where I just have you do something, you know, that's not with a video, mm-hmm. um, but for the most, I mean, with an audio, but for the most part, you're going to have an, you know, a, a, a video lesson and then a meditation or magical working that has an audio recording attached to it. And then probably some sort of written material that also supports that. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty, I mean, I've, I've, I haven't seen all that many other occultist courses, but mm-hmm. from what I've seen, my courses sort of have a, a lot more to do <laughs> than, than right. I've seen in other people's um, and, and not, and I don't mean that there's a lot of work, but that there's a lot of like, experiential things to explore in in them that that are pretty right there so i i think there's a lot of value in the courses for sure oh um, definitely definitely I again think for those, trying, not trying to toot my own horn too much but you know like yeah for those leaning towards like direct experience and consciousness alteration i guess you'd call it i definitely recommend yeah. yours uh courses all the time so um yeah definitely we should make some uh, if you're up for it maybe we can make like a uh promo code or something like that for um some of the courses i can include in the podcast notes and also absolutely the, uh, i'll, I'll, I'll send you some whenever you're ready to release this i'll, I'll send you some okay that'd be cool there is one question i do want to ask one last question because sure. as we mentioned you know a lot of actually what you're talking about is sort of the modern um state of the occult and people arguing about different models and you know yeah. this and that so um and there are actually a lot of people i th- almost feel like there's a uh I, I don't know what you would call it like a resurgence of the current but like the occult is almost becoming popular again or something like that or it's coming back around i guess because of um i don't know i actually don't know the reason but there is definitely more lectures out there more courses more books and with that comes more people interested in this right and so sure. so what sort of advice um would you give like somebody who's just getting into these practices maybe even like say say you went back in time like say you with your current knowledge and your current experience and mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're going to give advice to your young self who's you know 20 uh, year old jason who's alive in 2021 right like what what sort of advice what sort of pitfalls what sort of um guidance would you give because there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of you know 
arguing and a lot of different approaches, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would say um, uh, read less, do more practices, definitely focus on um, breathing and um, co focusing concentration along with some physical exercise, some physical stretching exercise um, would be uh, highly recommended um, because I, I think that a lot of um, magical practitioners don't move enough. Um, and so if you don't move, your energies don't move and you don't, you know, you don't, it's hard to awaken to that aspect of things if you're, if you're super sedentary. Um, I think that uh, I would say if I, if I could give a piece of advice, it would be to meet as many people in the real world who are, who are doing magic as possible. Um, but to make sure that you're maintaining your own personal space within that so that you're not caught up in somebody else's um, mind trip too much. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Um, yeah, sure, sure. I, I mean, I, I would say like, you know, f focus on becoming the best you that you can be first and foremost as opposed to being overly focused on the whether you're doing rituals right or not. Okay. Yeah. Very good advice. I think that's great advice. I think that right, was well, about 10 different pieces of advice. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, all, all good advice though. So, um, all right, cool. Well, uh, I guess we can uh, wrap it up here. It's already, uh, oh geez, it's 2 a.m. on my end. It's probably, what time is it on your end? Probably lunchtime or something? It's, it's noon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So probably a good time to wrap it up, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And, um, I will, yeah, definitely. And definitely, uh, I'll post some links in the show notes for, um, some of your courses and books and you'll probably get a uh, promo code up there for people who are interested and who really want to, um, sort of dive into the, uh, the courses and other, uh, programs that you offer. So definitely thanks for uh, coming on and until next time. It's been my pleasure.